But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. Luke chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. We are wrapping up stewardship today. Wrap it up. Stewardship 3, Transforming Lives. We also have a guest, what are you, producer? <laughs> yes. You could call me that. Yeah, you guest put, producer. Put that on your resume, producer. So, Ashley is in Beantown, right? Doing leaf, doing leaf peeping, I leaf believe. Leaf peeping in Boston. She's going leaf watching in Boston. So, Alex, introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, I'm Alex Herndon. I run AV and do some IT around. You've probably seen me. You've definitely seen yeah. the product of your work. And listen, and you and you <laughs> produce this every week for us, right? I do. All right. Well, welcome. Thank you. Alex has already warned us that he's not going to weigh in with um, timely commentary like Ashley does. Unless called upon. Yeah. <laughs> Unless called upon. But yes, you have an invitation to if you need to clarify anything. All right. Okay. Well, it's Halloween. We're recording on Halloween. We are recording I on like Halloween. I feel like we should have spooky sounds. Can we put like ghost sounds like or drop. something? I'll put a few right here. Okay, great. <laughs> Chris is wearing orange. Alex is wearing black. I'm, I'm wearing wear- orange. I'm also wearing... Um, are you wearing your candy cane or candy can- corn? Candy corn socks. Socks. Yes. And then I've got a shirt that says... Trick or treat down Main Street. This is from our Disney trip several years ago, oh. 2019. It's my only Halloween shirt. You're wearing dinosaurs. I'm wearing sequin dinosaurs on a denim shirt. That's normally what this you wear. This is just on my Tuesday. regular <laughs> attire. I'm always in black You're or gray. Black. Or <laughs> I'm always looking professional. So, <laughs> so are you a horror movie fan? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Me either, but Tia is. So okay. I have to watch horror movies because she's okay. into them. What's the best um, one you've seen? Honestly, like older horror movies, I feel like do it better with the added uh-huh. tension. Like that that first Halloween movie, yes, uh, we saw it. It's, it's just like a master class. It of is a master class. Just tension yeah. and True, truly, you know, score. And, yeah, the whole thing, the music, absolutely. And you know, he did all of that. John Carpenter, he did. He wrote it, directed, and did the music, <laughs> which is amazing because <laughs> that's such an iconic. Yeah. Like, everyone has heard that, I think, uh-huh. at some point. So, do you ever listen to the podcast, Stuff You Should Know? No. If you don't, you need to. Are you a podcast guy? Not really, but... Oh, that hurts. I, I listen to this podcast. one every week. <laughs> Multiple times. Multiple <laughs> times. Because <laughs> it's just that good. We're that intelligent. So, Stuff You Should Know, it's great. I love this podcast. And it's just, I mean, it's exactly as the title would imply. There's random stuff that they do all the time. And they did a, a recent one on, uh, like, horror movies that change the genre. And Halloween was on there. Jaws was on there. The Exorcist was on there. Psycho, uh, mm. Scream. There was one movie that we saw recently. Nope. Yeah. Mm. The new Jordan mm-hmm. Peele movie. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. I really liked his first one. I didn't really like his second one. And then this one, it definitely had some like, it, it, it was very like artsy. Yeah. And that like, I needed to go read some articles to tell me <laughs> how I felt about it <laughs> afterwards. But Yeah, I yeah. don't like those kind of movies. Okay. What's your favorite horror movie? 
Uh, I hate scary movies. Okay. I just do, so I don't think I have one. Fair. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about the sermon. All right. Although I could talk about Halloween because Halloween's fun, but it's okay. Are you going trick-or-treating tonight? Oh, yes. Around, I think your, around your neighborhood? or did around, you around our neighborhood. Yeah. So I'm very excited for that. Did you dress up? I saw Scott was in security. I, I was like a tour manager, so I had like ah, okay. the lanyard. And I do have a clipboard that says like set list, and I have like a <laughs> microphone okay. and, or right. a headset thing. Um, but it's not as obvious as my children, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> and she likes Cherry Farm. Yes. <laughs> so my daughter went as Joan Jett. She's loved Joan Jett for a while. And she used to like sing her song, Cherry Bomb, but she was she thought it was Cherry Farm for the longest time. So then <laughs> She when, looked pretty offended that so you So then <laughs> when I announced it yesterday to you all, like, her favorite song is Cherry Farm, she corrected me, she Mom, like, it's uh, Cherry Bomb. Excuse me. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> She's too cool already. She's six and a half. This sermon, we were closing up stewardship. Transforming lives. Transforming lives. You were talking. Terrible, a rich fool. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, you... Towards the beginning, you talked about how, like, back in the fall of 2020, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, gosh, I forgot how scary it was mm-hmm. in 2020 and mm-hmm. all that was going on. And I feel like that's how some people enter into stewardship every year. In the fall of 2020, we we're still very unsure of how things were unfolding. Mm-hmm. The pandemic was still kind of the election, all the things. We did not know what that next year was going to look like. And I think that's how some people maybe come into stewardship, like, well, I don't know what I can give because I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people about that? What does our faith say about being unsure of what's to come? Let's see. From what angle do you think? Like, what are you? Are you saying like people don't know if they're going to have a job in the coming year, or yeah? Because I like, feel like some people live kind of a fear-based kind of like yeah, life. Right. Like, well, what if I what if I lose my job, or uh-huh. what if we have another kid? And it's right. always this like, I don't know. Well, so I would say that um, the best way to approach stewardship in general is prayerfully and intentionally. And so um, I think this is going to sound like a preacher thing to say, but just trust that God's going to work it out. So ideally everyone is, th- is working towards tithing or the goal of the tithe. And so maybe you're taking the next step for the coming year and everybody's got, you know, I mean, we all have uncertainty, of course, but I mean, you're not locked in. Like it's not a contract with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if something changes, that's, that's fine. It's just your, your goal for the coming year, giving goals, I think is what Ashley liked to call it. But I think... If you approach it intentionally and prayerfully and trusting that this is a spiritual discipline and you're going to do, like, this is what you intend to do in the coming year and you and God have talked about it and that's what you settle on, then six months from now, deal with what comes six months from now. Okay. I always affirm more church babies, by the way. That's (laughs) that's good. Yeah, I just, I think sometimes, maybe because that's Scott, my husband, I have been guilty of this, like, probably early in our marriage, like, well, once we have a little bit more, then we'll start to give. Mm. And that's kind of like how people approach a lot of things, like whether it's, well, once I have this in order, then I'll get engaged. <laughs> if I do this, right. then I'll have a kid. Right. And like, there's never always a, there's never a perfect yeah, time yeah, for a yeah. lot of things. Yeah. And if, when I think it comes to feeling like I have enough to give, mm. like, well, once we have this amount in our bank account, then I'll feel secure. Mm. Like, you're going to keep kicking that can mm-hmm. down the road a little bit. And right. so living either like, well, when this happens or if, or living that fear-based, then that's going to really keep you from letting God transform you. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally agree. So I was just thinking about that when you're talking about 2020. I'm like, oh gosh, that was the last, <laughs> well, 
there's a lot of times where I feel like, I don't know what's going to happen to But that was a time where I was like, I don't know how all this is going to unfold. Yeah. Well, also, I didn't realize it was two years ago we did that study. I had to look at my notes. Was it really? Yeah. I feel like it was last year. I know. I did too. But it was, it was fall of 2020. Time needs to slow down. <laughs> okay. And then you shared kind of your early experience at Arapahoe UMC. Let's see. I'm going to read from your, from your, trans- or your manuscript. I was always unclear about exactly what I was being asked to do. Now, I knew I was being asked to support the work of the church, of course, but either I was not paying enough attention or <laughs> expectations of me as a disciple were not being made clear enough by the pastors in my life. And you said probably the former. In, ver- in fairness, it was probably that I <laughs> yeah. wasn't paying close enough attention. So talk about, like, what is the expectations or what are we asking of members and um, what is what are not our expectations, maybe? So, yeah, I, I would say... I did, the, the first thing I would just specify here, without I'm not trying to be pedantic, but I don't, I don't think it's our expectations. I think this is like God's expectations. Okay. And so I tried to lay them out in those in those four principles. I mean, it's just I don't think it could be much clearer that we're expected to tithe. Like that's the thing. It's been that way from the beginning. And so very few people are there, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, I think it's always very hard to measure these things because. It's you're relying on self-reporting and people kind of doing their own analysis or whatever. But every statistic I've ever looked at, something something like significantly less than two percent of Christians actually tithe. So number one, tithe. Number two, very few people are there yet. So be working towards that goal. Grow in your giving. Mm-hmm. Third one is if you're gonna do that, you gotta be intentional about it. Like you gotta look at the family budget every year, you gotta look at where you are with your giving and then take an intentional step until you get to the place where we're called to be. And then the last thing is start somewhere. <laughs> and this is your point. I, this just reminds me of people. It's, it's not an uncommon thing for people to think or say, I'll be happy when. Yes. Bigger house. You know, mm-hmm. have, I'm married when we have kids or when the kids are out of the house. or You know, I mean, we're always forward looking. But starting somewhere is really important because that's the only place you can grow from. Mm-hmm. Right? It's hard to grow from zero. And so um, I, think, I think those are pretty clear expectations. That, that our faith has for us in mm-hmm. the same way that's expected that we pray and study scripture and go to worship and that kind of thing. Yeah, I really liked your slide with just the four <laughs> principles. It was very easy. Like, I feel like you could have just, like, stopped there and be like, there it is, but we hadn't read the scripture yet. So. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, I do think clear is kind. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I mean, I grew up in a different tradition where we, we just didn't really talk about it. And so, I mean, I have, I have some Baptist friends, and they were, very clear about tithing. Mm-hmm. That's, they're the only people that I knew that were really clear about it. And so it just would have been helpful for me had I heard early on, look, here's, you may not be there yet, but here's where you should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not the preacher's opinion. It's not the church's opinion. It's, you know, the opinion of our faith. Yeah. Um, I talked to a church member afterwards and he was talking about how his son had tried, was going to join, I think it was a Baptist church and how they're like, well, we need to see your W9. Right. <laughs> And he's like, could you believe it? I was like, no, I can. A yeah. lot of churches do that because they'll literally look at what you make and like, okay, this Here, is what you. Here's your, here's the expectation of your giving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, whoo. Yeah. Luckily, I put all my money on a offshore island so no one knows. <laughs> so Scott doesn't know either. Scott doesn't know either. Uh-oh. <laughs> Delete this. It's <laughs> mad. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so talk about the parable you preached on. <laughs> Man, Jesus is bringing it in these parables we've been preaching mm-hmm. on. So yeah. this one is, uh, it's a real, it's pretty powerful. It's not as stark as the rich man and Lazarus, but it's this guy who's been abundantly blessed 
and his decision is build a bigger boat, basically. Build a bigger barn, literally. And then he has this really funny exchange with himself. I said to my soul, soul, this is going to be awesome. You're going to have more than you ever need forever. And then God says, I, I think I read the scripture. Your life ends tonight. So all this, it's great that you built a bigger barn and you put all your stuff in the barn, but somebody else is going to get that now. This is the thing at the end where he says, uh, you should be rich toward God. Like you mm-hmm. just focus on the right thing. Have your heart in the right place. And the conclusion that I draw from this and every other parable of Jesus is that money is not the point. The money is never the point of any of these parables. The point is where we are spiritually. And so what we do with our money, I think, is just a, a way of diagnosing our spiritual health. Because whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money, you can be stingy or you can be generous. And the Gospels are really clear on this. You can, be, you can have your priorities straight or not. You can uh, come from a scarcity mindset or you can come from an abundance mindset. And, I mean, Jesus is very clearly <laughs> calling us to a place of generosity, a place of openness to God, a place of being led by God. And I, I, I think these, uh, these parables just have that very clear, persistent theme. Do you like this one? This parable? Do you ever say to your soul, soul? All the time. <laughs> All the time. I named it Hank, so it's got a name. <laughs> I have a girl name. No, it made me think like, oh, I should probably clean up my garage. <laughs> that. That was that was your conclusion from this? Yeah. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. Oh, well, that's what I got. You should talk to your soul. Oh, <laughs> Hank. Hank. Listen, you didn't um, that parable. Um, no, it's a, I have to say, like, you did such a good job. So talking about giving and stewardship, like, can be very easy to get very, like, preachy to get very like shaming people to guilt people but I felt like you did a really good job of threading that needle of like inspiring people to give to see the importance of the why and to encourage and the whole like especially you're like you know start somewhere uh-huh. make it a goal so like I feel like it was a very encouraging like you can do this yeah thank you I, well I mean that's because that's our story I mean yeah. we didn't and I've talked about this in previous years when we were first figuring this out. I mean, I gave way more to Starbucks than I did to the church. Way more. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you don't ever get to where you need to be unless you, I mean, it's that whole journey of a thousand miles begins with one step thing. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no point in, I don't think it's very effective preaching to, to make people feel less than about wherever they are on any aspect of their spiritual journey. Especially when we, our faith is in a gracious God, you know? Mm-hmm. Who, yes, indeed, calls us to high expectations, but sure does encourage us along the way and then empowers us with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever thought about just uh, reading one of John Wesley's sermons? <laughs> I love J.W. He, like in the, in the spiritual pantheon for me, he's up there. Uh-huh. There's God and Jesus and there's everybody else, but in yeah. terms of like, like actual people who have ever lived, mm-hmm. who are, I find spiritually inspiring, he's there in the on the Mount Rushmore, you know, but man on money, like he, he only had like two suits, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, like he just, he would eat the bare, the bare minimum of food. Like he, when he said save all he can, it meant spend as little as possible so you can give away as much as you can. And so I'm not there. And if you, have you ever read, how many of us, have you read his sermons lately? Mm-mm. Like I, this time of year, I go back and revisit some of those. And I read some of the titles, right? On yeah. riches, on the danger of riches, on yeah. the danger of increasing riches. He's real about the danger. On the danger. What's his middle name, danger? 
Did he originate that joke? <laughs> no. His middle name is Danger. No. No, okay. He had a quote, actually, Wesley feared that riches were a sign of self-indulgence and frequently warned his Methodists to practice generosity rather than self-indulgence. Yes. Well, and then last week it was the, it, it was a quote from Wesley mm-hmm. uh, from the explanatory notes on the New Testament where he said, it, it's no more sinful to be rich than to be poor, but it is exceedingly dangerous. <laughs> there it is, dangerous yeah. again. Yes. You, okay, you said no matter our financial resources, we can be generous or we can be stingy. A majority of Americans really do live paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to like think about people's where they are. Um, if they're like, I really don't have, I don't have anything to spare. Like I'm, I'm barely making mm-hmm. it. What do we, what do we say to those people? I mean, that's that's a complicated um, question. Yeah. But the church is pretty consistent on this throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. Going back to the story of the widow's mite in the New Testament, whatever you have has been given to you by God. I think that's the first thing we got to get. Yeah. clear in our head. I think that's a tough message to a to a culture that convinces itself that we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps mm-hmm. and everything is on our own merit and by yeah. our own talent or whatever. But whatever it is is a gift from God. Therefore, the first thing that is due is something back to God. I mean, I just think that's that that is the witness of our faith. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy cultural message. Um I'm certainly not insensitive to it for for Whitney and I. Um, like I, it took a while for us to really get serious about our giving. And um, the biggest, I would say, test for us, not by God, but self-imposed test, was when we moved out to Henrietta. And when we moved out to Henrietta, Whitney couldn't work at the container store anymore, and she had a really good job at the container store. She's an industrial engineer. And we intentionally took that tithing step when we got to one income. Mm-hmm. And um, it did indeed leave less money for other things. That is absolutely the truth. Mm-hmm. But my experience is that we had what we needed. We didn't lack for anything that we needed, really for all that much that we wanted, although you had to kind of reframe your expectations. Yeah. And I would say that was just super empowering. And so uh, that was the point in in our lives when we were uh, making the, the least amount of money that I think we'll ever make. I mean, I guess I Life could surprise us, as it has over and over again the past couple of years. But we were, we were able to make it happen then. And so my, my own experience is that giving, it's like the, what you were saying earlier, that when I, get this, when I get the next raise, then I'll be able to give. Yeah. Like any financial planner would say, if that's your mindset on saving, you'll never end up saving because you will always spend that money. Right? Mm-hmm. So you start at the very beginning of your career, putting away hopefully 10% of your income. And if you do that, you never miss it, and it's and then you save it. And that's probably an easier message because that's a selfish thing. Like you're, you're doing this for your own future well-being, and it's still extremely hard because yeah. we live in a consumeristic culture. So we had this conversation the other day with the boys over the weekend over dinner. Have we been clear on the giving thing? How much are you guys supposed to give? 10%, Dad. How much are you supposed to save? And the max said 20%. I'm like, okay, that's aggressive. I love it. Please do that. If you can't, though, <laughs> save 10, give 10, and mm-hmm. spend the rest. So I'm not at all insensitive to, to either people on a fixed income or um, you know financial hardship or whatever. But I would also say that there's never a wrong time or bad time to start that journey. Yeah. I think just – I just think about um, people's situation talking like real, like, okay, I want to give, but this is where I am. And knowing that there was such an emphasis of give all you can, 
save all you can. And people are, are with times now, I'll just go say, like inflation, like people are really sure. strapped right now. Sure. And so how can we encourage them? And I think I go back to your point, like starting somewhere, you're giving at least something. Mm-hmm. We're not asking for everyone to be extreme right now, <laughs> but like <laughs> give something. Right. Like that's, that's an act of a step of faith, uh, of trust. And so, you know, try it and see. And you may figure out like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Right. <laughs> the very first study that we did in our Sunday school class that we started, I mentioned that we started a Sunday school mm-hmm. class at It was a James Moore study. I've sinned, Lord, but I have several excellent excuses. Okay. <laughs> we make a lot of excuses why we don't start giving. A lot of them. Yes. And all of us have heard, uh, <laughs> we've probably heard it all and probably have used most of them <laughs> somewhere along the way. And so, you know, it's like the person who's too busy to pray. I mean, Martin Luther said he prayed four hours a day because he was so busy. (laughs) (laughs) Because he wouldn't have been able to do all the work that was demanded of him by God had he not spent that much time in prayer. So there's a reason we call them spiritual disciplines. Yeah, they're they're not easy. (laughs) They're worthwhile. Mm, Well, they transform us. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. You shared toward the end about... Um, when you first walked through the doors at Arapaho United Methodist, like you felt like you were coming home mm-hmm. and that you weren't completely lost, but I loved how you're like, but you could see the sign. I <laughs> thought I that was very, I was like, <laughs> I'm sure that resonated with so many people that thought, gosh, I'm there and like, I'm almost mm-hmm. completely lost. Like that just resonated so much. Mm-hmm. And so could you share like how you were transformed? Because at that time, was that when you were working for Blockbuster? Yeah. I was working for Blockbuster, but I knew uh, that wasn't what I wanted to do forever. So, so like, could you just... Talk about the impact of the church, how maybe mm-hmm. it transformed how you were with your clients or your coworkers. Mm-hmm. You and Whitney weren't engaging it, but did it change your perspective? Like, okay, this is the kind of husband, the dad like. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Talk yeah, about that yeah, transformation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think people can truly be who God has called them to be until you're entirely convinced of God's love for you. Okay. I just don't think it's possible to live the way God desires you to live. And I mean that like in the way that God, what, what God wants for you is not possible until you know how much you're loved by God. And I just did not get that. I did mm. not get that until I was 29 years old. Okay. At a rapo, Jack Soper specifically. Like his thing is, it's almost a trite saying at this point, but grace is that God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. And there's too many people in the world who, have, who do not know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and once you are convinced of that, then you can be way more gracious with yourself. And once you're gracious with yourself, that makes it way easier to be gracious with others. I mean, there's a reason the two great commandments are love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. So start love yourself first before you know how to love your neighbor. And that is the way you grow in love for God. And it just totally changed the way I, I viewed the world. I, I, it was pretty magical. Like, I love that church. I love Arapahoe United Methodist Church. And it, it will always feel like home to us. Uh, and I mentioned we were with some Arapaho friends on Saturday afternoon, just coincidentally. I mean, the sermon was already written. Whitney had already heard it. It's true. You sent it to me at noon on Saturday. Yeah. I can confirm that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then we went and had this really affirming experience with all these folks who, you know, we haven't seen a lot of them in 10 years since we, or 12 years. But like, once you're convinced of God's love for you, that of God's grace, then you start looking for ways to love God and love others and serve others. And man, I, I was never, I don't know, the stuff, I listed a whole bunch of stuff, ways that we have volunteered over the years Yeah. in last week's sermon. All that started because of the theology I was hearing at Arapaho. Yeah, I could say, I feel like I, uh, being transformed, yeah, how I treated friends, but probably like my family, which is still ever growing edge. <laughs> You're always the worst to your family. But yeah, what kind of 
obviously I first, when I first became, you know, a Christ follower, I was like 14, but like how that transformation has continued to happen throughout my life. Um, it's just been, well, life changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for you. And I think it's really important to emphasize that in our, in our mission statement, loving God, serving others, transforming lives, you can look at that and think that the church is here to have these life-giving ministries that transform other people's lives, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And many of them do, for, for certain. But that transformation actually is ours, mm-hmm. and then transformed people transform people. Mm-hmm. And that's all through the grace of God. Yeah. So you shared how you, at the end of that first year, is when you gave your first pledge. Yeah. So how did you how did you come about that decision? And do you, do you remember anything specifically? I guess with your finances, finances, um, especially like how did, after you decided to give away money, did anything change for you? Or were you like, oh gosh, I really missed that? <laughs> what happened? Um, so you know, throughout that first year, we would put ten bucks in the plate or something like that. Yeah. And um, so we just kind of did the math on that the first year. And you know we, we probably we probably viewed it kind of like uh, <laughs> I'm a big NPR listener, so we, we probably um, kind of equated it to that, mm-hmm. you know, like a certain pledge level, like you know, you, ten bucks ten bucks a, a month, and you get a bag, a tote bag, or whatever. <laughs> right. it, I didn't really see it as a spiritual discipline for a while yet. It was just a, a thing. We love the church, and you know, we were making money, and we should give some money to the church. Mm-hmm. It, but it was not like an intentional spiritual discipline thing. Okay. But starting somewhere makes a difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, it felt like a very grown-up thing to do. <laughs> like all of a sudden we're adults now. Yeah. We weren't married yet. We weren't going to, you know, we're, we're, kids were still very, you know, several years away. But it felt like a like flossing, you know. So we <laughs> floss and we give to the church. Like very adult <laughs> things. I'm stealing that from Whitney Whitney's things. She feels like an adult when she was flossing. Okay. So at Arapaho back in the day, you would get a whole stewardship packet, and I still refer to it as a stewardship packet out of habit. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a, um, it was a kind of a summary of the budget or some highlights of, of the budget. I mean, not a detailed budget or anything like that, but it, it kind of a highlight. Mm-hmm. And then it had a, um, an interest survey. Did you okay. guys do this at Lover's Lane? Like, we, we would send out, um, like, all the ways you could, all the committees you could serve on. Okay. And you would check which one you mm-hmm. were, would be interested in. I don't think so. And then the committee work, and then there would be like three or four nominations committee meetings after that, and we'd, you know, you'd have to do the balancing act of, <laughs> like, having people volunteer for committees is a little risky. Yeah. Because not everybody is equipped to do every committee, uh-huh. even if they might think they are, and, and I'm talking about myself as well. Like, <laughs> I've got lots of funny stories about that that I'm not going to tell right here. So, um <laughs> Anyway, responding to that, it felt like a very intentional step to becoming part of a community of faith. And, you know, like the barest beginning can become mm-hmm. something pretty powerful. So I just look back on those days very, very fondly. Mm-hmm. I feel like for us, once we started to give the full 10%, yeah, I mean, it's nerve-wracking in the beginning. You're oh, like, what yeah. are we thinking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but then honestly, like at the end, you're like, okay, did we, we still saved money. Huh. Did we save as much as we could have? No. But were we really lacking in anything? No. Right. And you really, for us, our experience and maybe super, I'm maybe super privileged in that. Like we just didn't miss it. We didn't really suffer. Was it still sacrificial? Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. there's a lot of things we could have done, 
but it's kind of fun. And then you just think like, man, that, that wasn't so hard. And so then when other people, like when it's North Texas Giving Day, you're like, I can give some more. Mm. Or if this thing comes along, I can, like, I don't know. It just, it, it snow, snowballs and it makes you want to be generous in so many mm. areas of your life, not just financially. I mean, that's, that snowball is the transformation. Yes. And yeah. so you're just like, I want to be generous with whatever I can. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. It really does transform your life where you just want to be giving um, of yourself and your time and all the things because you're like, you're yeah, a different yeah. person. And, but let's be real. So if you're really going to tithe, mm-hmm. then that that may mean you can't have two new cars all the time. Right. It may mean that um, you can't max out the, the Roth and the 401k. It may mean um, that the sit-down fancy restaurant is mm-hmm. once every couple months instead of every week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there are things you have to do differently. Yeah. And I think that so many of us confuse wants and needs. Yes. Yeah. That we think it's more sacrificial. Like it's 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 not sacrificial to give up Del Frisco's every other week because that's what you like to do. <laughs> it's it's sacrificial to like just kind of reorder your life around the things that are most important to you. And when scripture talks about first fruits, it doesn't mean the first fruits of what's left over after all your other budget items are filled in. <laughs> it means the first item on your budget needs to be this. Mm-hmm. And everything else has got to work around it. Now, yeah. I mean, I think most pastors are pretty up on current events. And, uh, you know, if you're trying to run a church, you're cognizant of the stock market and everything else. So inflation is a real thing. No question about that. It's been a tough year for that. The, the pandemic, obviously, was mm-hmm. massively disruptive. And so, I, mean, I totally get all that. But I think I've, I've always believed that if the, if the members of a church are intentional about this, which does not mean everyone brings in their tax returns and promises to give 10%, but is intentional about this, then we'll have enough money to do the ministry that God's calling us to do. All right, so yesterday was Celebration Sunday. Yeah. What do we have to celebrate, Chris? Tell us what we have to celebrate. <laughs> well, I, I, for me, this time of year is about celebrating that I get to call this place home. It's just such a great place to be. And yesterday, yesterday morning was just awesome. I mean, if anybody missed Sunday, I'm really sorry that you missed it because <laughs> the music was spectacular. Um, the orchestra is always really oh, super yeah. moving for me to have it there. It's just really, uh, the, it's just really wonderful. Uh, the the videos have been terrific. Um, we've got our new projectors. There's just so much going on that's life giving and affirming and uh, exciting. Trunk or treat was course immediately following the service and it's so different than it was two years ago when we were doing that dare to lead mm-hmm. <laughs> study there's lots and lots to celebrate and christmas lights are going up pretty quickly after after tonight after trick-or-treating and then we're going to turn our attention to the holidays so we've got all saints next weekend we've got two, a couple weeks of thanksgiving um certain like a little mm-hmm. mini series then advent and christmas then new year's it's just it's just awesome from here on out i'm excited I know I don't seem excited because I'm a little tired today, <laughs> but you can't see my face. But just trust that I'm excited. And the dinosaurs really sell it, too. The dinosaurs do really sell it. <laughs> so. All right. Well, Alex, thank you for guest producing yeah. today. Yeah. Great to have you with us. Next week, mm-hmm. preaching on, what is it, what, what I'm preaching on? Isaiah? I think it's an Isaiah text. So that'll be good. And All Saints is always a really special day. Yes. In the life of the church. So, Prince, thanks for being with us uh, for another episode of Off Script. We'll be back next week and we'll do this all again. 
Ashley, I guess we'll be back in her normal seat. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I'm just faking it over I here. I was like, I hated this. <laughs> Don't make me do this again. <laughs> if not, you can report in on whatever horror movie you guys are going to watch tonight for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. God bless. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.